my, 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 how the Lord has already worked in our midst. Appreciate you, Pastor Ferry, and appreciate his sensitivity to the moving of the Holy Spirit of God. And I think I had about 10 people that would have killed me had I not sung that song sometime this week when I lay my Isaac down. That song is very precious to me for many reasons, not just because God used that last year in my life, but God is using it all over the country, and I know several men that sing it. And we want to get right down to the Word of God tonight. Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. And we already appreciate everything the church has done for us and fed us and uh, the nice motel rooms as always and your kindness to us. And uh, we feel like we just came and had some uh, sense of a homecoming and so many good friends around here and those that have encouraged us already and told us how the Lord used us last year. And we want the Lord to do the same this year and even more. And that's really what we want. We consider this church very dear friends and, and uh, precious people to us. And I feel like Paul sometimes, he said, I, he was writing to the book of Philippians. And this is one of my favorite books in the Bible because I believe it reveals Paul's heart for a church. Yes. And he said, I have you in my heart. And he said, I love you within, he said, he talked about being within the bowels of Jesus Christ. He said, I love you with my innermost. And uh, he even said, he even made a comparison to the church at the Philippi. He said, he said, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But he said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul said, church, I love you so much that I'm willing to delay going to heaven because I love you that much. And I love this church and I love your pastor. I love his family. And they're dear and precious people to us. And we communicate via social media and uh, with Austin and Brandon. And, and uh, we love them and Mrs. of course. And uh, we just appreciate what the Lord's doing here. And we just want to have a small part in helping encourage you along the way. Uh, but let's go to the word of God tonight. Philippians chapter number four. The scripture tells us, therefore, my dearly beloved and longed for. You, you, understand, you understand, you see Paul's heart here. Uh, he says, my dearly beloved, my longed for, and, and all throughout the book of Philippians, you can see his heart for this church, and you can see his desire for the church, and he says, my dearly beloved, my longed for, my joy and my crown. Stand fast in the Lord, and he even says it again, my dearly beloved. The Bible says, I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, and that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be made, no, be made known, be known to, unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'd like to bring to you a message tonight. And the title is kind of funny. I guess I have two titles to it. But I believe the Lord has been confirming tonight by through our prayer time and through what's already been said, through testimonies, through what Brother McPherson already said. And I believe the Lord has confirmed and reconfirmed that he wants us to bring this message tonight. This is an unusual message, but I believe this is what the Lord has for us. And the title of the message tonight is, Can't We All Just Get Along? Or The Mind of the Church. Father, I pray that you'd bless tonight 
Lord, we thank you again for the visitation and the manifestation of the Holy Ghost of God. We thank you, Lord, for the sensitivity again in this place that you can move in anytime you want to. And Lord, if it be your will, I'll go sit down right now and not preach this message. Lord, if in the middle of this message you tell me to stop and sit down and hold the invitation, I'll do it then. I want to be obedient unto your spirit. I pray tonight that if there's any lost in here, if any does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that they would not leave this building without knowing that they know that they know that they've been born again. And I rejoice in 24 years in knowing I put my faith and trust in Christ alone to be my Savior and turn to the cross and you showed me my way home. Lord, if there's any that doesn't know that, I pray they'd get saved tonight. I pray that you draw your close, your church tonight, closer to each other and closer to you. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I uh, would be amiss to mention, we've have, we have one of our regular church attenders with us here tonight, Brother Fear. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, Brother, and what's your name again? George Shinky. George Shinky. And uh, he's been attending our church, I don't know for how long, and you've got some visitors with you? And he was hounding Brother Jeff last week, and he said, where are you guys going in Canada? And he said, oh, I've got some family up there somewhere. But he kept asking for the church and asking for the church, and all of a sudden, we walked in tonight, and he's in here. So, and uh, he's being unfaithful to his own church tonight, but, uh, but we appreciate him being here. And, well, we love our church. We love our church people. and love him and his dear family and his wife and so forth. But we see this message here, and in the scriptures, Paul is revealing his heart and and boy, I, I, I love it that Paul says to the church at Philippi, he says, man, you've ministered unto me and I, I have joy over you. And, but he said, I see something in your church here. And, and this, by the way, this is not an admonition for me. It's not like I've seen anything in your church that has indicated to me that there's a problem or a schism in here tonight. But I just believe this is, this is just what the Lord laid on my heart. So uh, whether here, there, or in the air, I'll understand why later, why the Lord put it on my heart. But he mentions two people in this, in this story here in this truth, in this passage of scripture. He mentions the name Eodius, which actually means one that has helped along the road, or it actually means fine traveling. This is a person in the church that was probably raised in the church, and they spent many, many hours in the church uh, time, and they probably were raised in the nursery of the church, and then in the junior department of the church, and the beginner department, the junior department, and, and they were probably raised in the youth group of the church, and and no doubt had probably spent most of their life in that church. And then we see the other person whose name is Syntyche. It means an accident or to happen by chance. Many times I brought this message when I'm preaching to a group of teenagers and I'm talking about these two, I have actually two messages out of the same passage and, and uh, I talk about being that teenager who was raised in the church and being that teenager who was not raised in the church like I was. And I mentioned before, and you've received my testimony about how my mother was 15 years old when she had me and how the struggles of that and growing up in our home there and, and how tough that was and how I envied many times the people that had grown up in church. And, and I began to talk about these two young men, but really what I want to talk about tonight, and I believe even the greater truth in all of this church is God is saying whatever background you come from, whatever baggage you come with, it is so imperative that you and I get together and function as a body called the local church. And by the way, I believe the Lord in, in Acts chapter 2 made it clear to us who adds to the church. In Acts chapter 2, it said he added to the church daily. The Lord added to the church daily. 
My friend, before you join any church, you, ought to, you should have prayed and said, Lord, would you have me to join that church? And we want the Lord to put us here. And even if you didn't pray that, but you felt in your heart that the Lord wanted you to be a part of this church and you in obedience came forward and you put yourself down in the membership roles of Bethel Baptist Church. And the Bible says he puts the church together like a body and that church is supposed to function. It says every joint is supplying and, and, and every vein and every, every part of the body is important and that there would be no schism in the body, he says. No separation. You ever, you ever had a finger out of joint? I mean, you ever broken a bone or had an had a, had a, a arm come out of joint? I mean, it's so painful. When you've got something in your body that is separate or your body like cancer begins to fight its own self, you've got some major problems on the horizon. And the Bible says for his church, Paul is saying, man, this church that I love so much, it's time we all get on the same page. It's time that we all begin to, uh, in a sense, pull on the same rope. It's time we, we all got along together. That little phrase there, can't we all just get along, it, it actually came out of a famous case in, Wisconsin, in, in the United States. And some of y'all may remember the O.J. Simpson trial and how it was the trial of the century and how it began to be racial tensions in the United States of America, uh, much like a few years ago and a few short years ago. But it was a time of, of animosity and, and they had beaten actually even before that time, the time of Rodney King and he was a man who was drug addicted and he was driving through Los Angeles neighborhoods at 100 miles an hour in a Hyundai, 100 miles an hour. I, I thought that was impossible, amen. You had to be going downhill with a bunch of, well, Baptists in there, amen. And they began to beat this man and and I understand the frustration that the police and us, they were wrong, but the frustration of chasing this man at 100 miles an hour, almost killing them, almost killing other people, and they began to beat this black gentleman and ended up going to court and so forth. And, and I mean, L.A. just kind of was like a powder keg, and it just, boom, I mean, it just exploded. And racial tensions began to run high. And a man by the name of, I believe his name was Denny, Reginald Denny, and he was driving his truck one day through there and they stopped Reginald Denny. They were getting in front of his truck and, and some men got to his truck and he had to stop because he didn't want to just plow through the people. And lucky it wasn't me. I mean, hey, if I see a riot going on and you're blocking my way, says, I'm going to just close my eyes, pray and drive on through. I'll pray for God to part that Red Sea, but if he doesn't, I'm driving right over it. Amen. But he stopped his truck and they, they pulled this man out of his truck and began to beat this man within an inch of his life. And I'll never forget what an impression it made on me as a young person. I thought, how crazy can it be? We as a nation, I mean, we're, 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 we're literally, I mean, it's like we're coming unhinged. It's like we're coming apart at the scene, much like several years ago when the Black Lives Matter movement started over some uh, justified shootings and everything that happened amongst the police and those of minority. And, and it was like a nation was coming apart at the scenes. And I remember those two men getting on an interview together. And I remember him as a white man, Reginald Denny. And I remember the other gentleman, Rodney King. And I remember them getting together. And I remember him, them, him pleading with the people. And he said, can't we all just get along? And that little phrase was made fun of 
by the, by the Saturday night crowd and by the comedians and that little phrase, can't we all just get along? But I believe that we could open up the heart of Paul tonight and yet even the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is the head of the church, I believe he would be saying to his church tonight, can't we all just get along? But there are some prerequisites to getting along. Most people think, yes, we will get along if the church just gets on board with me. Most of us tonight, even, yeah, even some pastor will say, yeah, if the church will get on my page, then we'll get along. But can I tell you tonight, it is not getting on the pastor's page. It is not getting on the evangelist's page. It's not getting on your page or somebody else's or your little group that meets at the coffee shop's page. It is imperative that we get on the page of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we'll be on his page and we'll get on his agenda and we'll do his will, hey, the church will be all right. That there'd be no schism in his church. And Paul admonishes this church in several different areas. He says, fella, we got to get together because if we, we are, Ronald Reagan in the 1980s, he, he referred to America as that shining city on a hill. And some, some Canadian the other day, I don't know who it was, but they said they talked about appreciating America and how it was that shining city on a hill. And God through the United States has blessed people and, and been a partner with your country and and he said, we are the last bastion of hope and, 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 and the freedom and liberty. And we are literally the, the only ones at the time that could have taken on a nation like Russia and began to, uh, during the Cold War times, they were building up their nuclear arsenal. And we were the only ones that could. And he understood that if something happens to the United States of America, it changes the dynamic of this entire planet. And can I say tonight, if something happens to the church, it will change the dynamic of this entire city, of this entire province, of the nation of Canada, of North America, and even the world. God even warns us that in the latter days before his coming back, that there will be a great falling away. And that falling away isn't just a falling away of belief. It is his people. It is his church. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that will be forced to go underground because God's people are falling out and falling down and not getting back up. We are splitting our churches and the devil is laughing his head off in the corners. Paul says, you, you better get together. Because the work of Christ, listen, the work of Christ is more important than any single person in this building and every single person put together in this building. It is far bigger than you. It is far bigger than your church. It is far bigger than the churches you fellowship with. It's far bigger than the, the, than the English-speaking world. It's far bigger than the independent Baptist movement. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Euodius and Syntyche cannot get along, we're going to have problems in the church, and it won't go forward and be all that it could be. I believe Paul was referring to several things. I believe the church, number one, ought to be of the same mind. The church ought to be of the same mind. What kind of mind is it? I believe it's a humble mind. 
Because he said in two chapters previous, he said, he said, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. And then he went on to say, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but the Bible says he, he took upon himself the form of a servant. He humbled himself and he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. And time and time again in the book of Philippians, he says to the people, it is important that you get the same mind and you keep a humble mind. You know, it's often said, it's a, it's a wonder what could be done if nobody cares who gets the credit for it. And I believe one of the number one hindrances of the work of God is pride in amongst our churches. And pride begins to swell up and, well, the preacher didn't do it the way I liked it or, or I didn't get the recognition that I thought I should have had or I think I ought to be a deacon. I think I ought to be that. And I think I ought to be the one that leads in prayer and I ought to be the head usher and I ought to be the one that does that. Listen, you've got an eye problem and hey, the devil's going to use your eye problem the same way and it's going to make you fall just like he fell. You read Ezekiel. You read Isaiah. And he says, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud and I will be like the most high and I will sit on the mountain of the congregation on the side of them. Five times in one little passage, the devil said, I, 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 and he split God's church in heaven because of pride. You say, I don't believe that. Well, the Bible says when you hire a pastor, do not hire a novice, least being lifted up in pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. You know, God's congregation called Israel, his called out assembly called Israel. He said, listen, in first Corinthians, second, uh, 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 first Chronicles chapter seven and verse 14, the first prerequisite to having revival back in their land, the first prerequisite to their land being healed. He said, if my people, which are called by my name shall humble themselves. And how much pride do we have in ourselves and our own abilities and our own talents and our own, and our own mind and our own education when we ought to humble ourselves and get together and say, hey, brother, you're no better than me. You're no worse than me. We're all in this together. We humble ourselves. The reason why we can't, the reason why we can't get things done in America, in the United States of America, even in our own halls of Congress is because of pride of pride. The scripture tells us only by pride cometh contention. And I'll tell you, every church, every problem in this church tonight, it is rooted somewhere in pride. If you'll get to the bottom of it, they didn't treat me this like I felt like I deserved. They didn't acknowledge me. They didn't give to me. They didn't stay away from me. They didn't talk. They, they talked bad about me. They made me look bad. And God says, if this church is going to go forward, we've got to be of the same mind and humble ourselves. Because only by pride cometh contention. See, pride, the Bible says the pride of a man will bring him very low. The Bible says, these six things that the Lord hate, ye seven are an abomination unto him. And the first thing he says is a proud look. And there are some, just by the way you sit in church, you grieve the spirit of God. Just by the way you carry yourselves in the halls of the church, you've grieved the spirit of God. 
Just by the way you think everything revolves around you, you have grieved the spirit of God. Because he says the first thing I hate, he didn't even say an act of pride. He didn't say a, a, a series of prideful events or prideful words coming out of your mouth. He said the first thing I'm going to address is your proud look. And we want everybody to look at us. By the way, this includes when we have a disagreement. We want everybody to know that we disagreed with what the leadership did. We want everybody to know that we don't approve of what happened here. We want to, why? Because we're so focused on self. We're not, we don't care about the new Christians that we're going to hurt. We don't care about the pastor that we're going to hurt. We don't care about our own children that we're going to hurt. Hey, we don't care about anything else but ourselves. And because of our pride, the work of Christ is going to be hindered. May God, and by the way, I was going to say may God humble us, but the Bible says humble yourselves. Because let me tell you, you don't want God to humble you. I would rather humble myself than have the God of heaven humble me. Because when God humbles you, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, you may end up in a field eating like an animal. You go ahead and you make an image of yourself and you try to run this church on your agenda. But I promise you this, in the end where you are humbled and your nails are grown over and your hairs are like a, like a feathers and your nails are grown out like talents and you don't even have a sound mind, you will come to the conclusion that it is the most high that ruleth in the kingdom of man. If I were you, I'd just humble myself now and get on God's page. I believe it's a humble mind. I believe it's a holy mind. He goes on to this chapter. He says, finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true and honest and pure and lovely and of a good report, he said, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. He said, this same mind, Yodis and Syntyche, this humble mind, this holy mind, the mind that says, hey, I'm not trying to bring the world into the church. I'm trying to be the church that goes into the world and changes them. I believe he meant to be the same mind. I believe number two, we've got to have the same mission. Look at verse number three in our passage. Verse number two, he said, they be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse number three, he said, he said, hey, I entreat thee, true yoke fellow. And he said this, he said that labored with me in the gospel. And he said, they are fellow laborers. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, we have got to have the same mission. If this church will go forward, it will be by those that are in the harness together, those that put on the yoke together and go forward in the same mission. What would it be like tonight if we had, and I understand some folks here that raise cattle and different things, and what would it be like if you had some cattle to be raised and you put those two oxen together and one had a mind of its own and it started to go this way? And another one had a mind of its own. And you start, guess what would happen? Absolutely nothing would happen. You would have a broken harness. And Pastor Fury, can I tell you, I've seen church after church after church with a broken harness because the people are going in all different directions. You see, when you get in a yoke with somebody, you got to be plowing in the same direction. But how you get in the same direction is, hey, there is a master behind you. There is somebody behind us that's steering this thing, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's got some assistants called the pastors that are helping him along the journey. But he says, those true yoke fellow, they're getting the job done.
Can I tell you this? This, this mission that we've been given, it's a heavenly mission. Can I ask you this? I know your pastor is concerned about souls. Are you in the, are you in the yoke with him? Well, Brother Allen, you got to understand, we're just worried about our four and no more. I mean, if I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and I just get a pat on the back and I feel better when I leave. No, you see, if we're going to be true yoke, fella, if we're going to truly have the same mission together and the heart of our leadership says, hey, we're caring about souls and we want people to be saved and we want our nation to be saved and we want our loved ones to be saved and we want lives to be changed. We want the drunkard, we want the town drunk here to be saved. We want the drug addicted to be delivered. We want the ones that, hey, are ready to take their lives. We want them to have hope again. We want them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are you in the yoke? Well, I, I just, I, I'm just not for that kind of program. You know, it's going to result. People are going to go to hell. Well, you know, I, I, I understand they have the master's clubs, but you know, those kids, they kind of tear up this building. I, I just wish we didn't have that. And maybe you've not said that out loud, but maybe by your attitude or by your lack of support, you've said that. But I tell you, I, I appreciate these buses out here, but man, they, they cost a lot of money to get inside that man. Listen, why don't you just yoke up together and say, you know what? Instead of complaining about the bus ministry, I'm going to find some little bus kid somewhere, and I'm going to tell them that Jesus loves them, and I'm going to get together with that bus captain, and I'm going to find if that little boy needs a shirt and a tie, and I'm going to find out if that little girl needs a dress, and I'm going to find out if I can be an encouragement to them, and I'm, I'm going to find out the ones that have no daddy, and I'm going to invest in those kids who have no daddy, and those girls, hey, that are having a hard time, I'm going to find I'm going to find out that family that needs groceries. What is that? That is a true yoke fellow, and we will begin to change this city with an attitude like that. Yes, sir. Instead of saying, I don't know why we go to those nursing homes, why don't you go and visit somebody that their relatives hadn't visited them in months and tell them that Jesus loves them? Bring that lady of flowers, give that man some encouragement. I'm going to tell you, he says, if my church is going to go for we got to be some true yoke fellow. I just, I, just, I just don't think we ought to be, I just I'm just not for all this. Listen, the best thing you could do is find out, is the pastor on God's page? If he is, let me tell you, whatever he does in the yoke, the Lord wants you to get in that yoke and just follow along and plow we can, get more, we can get more done by us plowing in the same direction than we can us plowing in different directions. They call it, there's a theory on that, Brother Jeff. We were talking about that this week, about multipli- multiplication. When you, get, when you get one person together doing a job and you get two people doing a job, it doesn't just double it. It like triples it or something like that. And there's a term for that. I forget, we were, somebody, one of us were talking about it this week. And you know, if, if we could get a whole, man, could you imagine, could you imagine what would happen if everybody here got in the yoke of soul winning? Could you imagine how many people we could reach? Could you imagine if some of you young people that you've, you have the vitality of youth and you said, you know what, there's some kids over there uh, that live on the far end of that town that man, I believe if somebody ran a van or a bus that they would come to church and you get in that yoke and say, you know what, it's about time I start plowing for Jesus. Are you willing to get in the yoke? You know, everybody wants a friendly church, but nobody wants to be friendly. Why don't you get in the yoke of friendliness? Instead of wondering who in the church didn't shake your hand this week, why don't you go out of your way to shake 100 people's hands? 
You know why? Because we're in this together. You know why I like coming here? Because I like, man, we got some true yoke fellow in Canada. Eh? <laughs> They're changing me, man. I've been hanging around you too long. I found that A is like all eight parts of speech, you know? It's a noun, it's a verb, it's everything. Did you A today? I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you, what would it be like, man, if everybody, I mean, man, when, when the revival time was coming, man, we were all plowing for revival. But here's what happens in the average church. This one's getting revival and this one's trying, they're getting ready to step out of church. This one's trying to give up the bottle and this one's picking it up. This one's getting more television. This one's trying to throw us out or shoot it. And if we could all at the same time, man, if we could all just get in the harness together, if we all could, hey, if we all could get excited on prayer together, if we all, instead of a group, instead of a small group of men getting together to pray, man, what would happen if all the men got in the yoke and said, you know what, we're all going to plow to prayer. It would change this church, I guarantee you. He says, you got to have the same mind, you got to have the same mission. It's a heavenly mission. It's a helpful mission. Not only that, but he said this. Verse number four, again, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he said, and here's what he said. He said, let your moderation, verse number five, be made, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He said, not only the same mind, not only the same mission, but he said the same moderation. Now, this is not a common word that we use. I used to think it meant, Brother Jake, I thought it meant like your, like your motivation almost. I thought it meant let your moderation be known. You know, I'm, I'm happy I'm serving the Lord. I thought it was my cheerfulness. The phrase moderation means this. It is our fairness, our graciousness, our tenderheartedness, our loving kindness, our mildness. And God said, hey, I, my church, I want it to be known as a church of moderation. I want everybody to know about the graciousness of Bethel Baptist Church. And it should not just be, well, that's a kind brother in the church. You know, it ought to be so common that we're so kind to each other that nobody's, nobody that's kind ought to stick out like a sore thumb. Nobody that's kind, well, they got one kind brother over there. Well, that sister over there, man, she's nice. No, it ought to be every one of us. Every one of us ought to be pleading and cheering on and being kind to one another. As the Bible says, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. The Bible says, do good to them, and especially those of the household of faith. Are you known for your kindness to your other brothers and sisters in Christ? It says, let that gentleness, kindness, loving tenderness, let that be made known unto all men. You know, Jesus said this, you, they, the world will be able to tell that you are my disciples. How? That you have love one toward another. Can the world tell that you're his disciple? Help us, Lord. Well, I'm going to tell you that, 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 that guy over there, man, I'm going to tell you. And we find in our churches where we sit on the complete opposite side of somebody in the church. You know, it's called, it's called division. 
We find ourselves, we'll go in that door because we know they're going to be over at this door, so we're not going out that door. Boy, we know that quartet's getting up there to sing, that dude in the purple, uh, uh, in, in the clown-like bow tie. I'll tell you what, I don't like him. So when he sings, man, I'm, stopping, I'm not paying attention when he sings because I don't like him. Boy, when she, when she reads the Bible, man, she, it just makes me sick. Man, when it's his turn to pray, man, it grieves my heart. Listen, that's not of God, that's of the devil. We ought to say, oh God, if there's anything, you know, here's what the Bible, I hate to get the Bible into stuff. The Bible says, pastor, if you come to the altar and you have a gift and you see your brother that you have something against, before you even put in that offering plate, it says, lay it down on the altar, go to your brother, make it right with him. Then go give your offering. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yet how many of us have given out of, and we've had strife, we've had envying, we've had bitterness, we've had anger, we've had malice towards a brother, and we think coming down here on an altar praying, we think giving in an offering plate, we're praising God. Can I tell you, you better, get, you better go to your brother and say, hey, we've not been of the same mind. I've had all in my heart against you. I want to make it right. Would you forgive me? And then we can go down again. Guess what? The Bible says he loves our sacrifice of praise then. He loves it. You know, if there's, I heard a preacher say this years ago. If there's anybody that can walk into this room tonight and come and sit beside you and ruin your spirit, you are not right with God. If there is anybody in this building tonight and on the membership rolls of this church that could come and sit next to you and your church service would be ruined, can I tell you this? You are the opposite of a true yoke fellow. You are not of the same mind and you are hindering God's work. Here's what we say. We would rather leave a church than get right with God, though. Well, I just don't get along with anybody there anymore. It's, it's, it, if you don't get along with everybody else, maybe you're the problem. Maybe you need to get right with God instead of the hundreds of other people. The pastor told you, I, I don't have a clue what's going on in this church. I just know my church. Amen. There's one of our problems, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we like those kind of church members. He's a good church member. But I'm going to tell you, is that true about you? Could anybody in this building ruin your service tonight? See, you wanted me to come to a, for a revival. You didn't want me to come to metal, did you? We, 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 just, we just wanted to have a happy time. We didn't want Jesus to change us, did we? Come on now. Is there anybody, when they get, when they, when they get called on to prayer, you go, And I tell you, you control your own heart and spirit. I've had people that have spoken against me, and hey, I... I when, you, when I don't have anything against them, I can come up to them and I can shake their hand and look them straight in the eye and say, I love you, brother. When there's contention there, we're not of the same mind, I'm going to tell you, it, 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 it smells all over us. 
But husbands and wives, it's the same way. You know what the Bible says about husbands and wives? If you're not getting along together, the Bible says, husbands, dwell with your wives according to wisdom and knowledge that your prayers be not hindered. You understand if there's a schism in your home, your prayers are hindered. I mean, man, there's been times where I'm I'm on my way to preach and we're having an argument. I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. (laughs) Right before I go to the pulpit, amen. I'm sorry I was wrong. No, I'm sorry I was wrong. No, I'm sorry I was wrong. No, I'm sorry. No, listen, I'm sorry. (laughs) Now be quiet, woman. You understand my sermon on the home that night won't be too good. But what is it? Man, we got to get on the same page. We got to get, man, we got, we all ought to be known for our loving kindness to each other. It ought not to be said, man, I don't feel like I could ever go to brother such and such. Could, Could anybody in this room walk up to you with a prayer request tonight? And you say, gladly, I'll pray for it. Can anybody walk up to you and say, man, maybe you're not able to meet this need, but could you pray about this need tonight? Let me say, if there's one person that could not walk up to you and ask you for a prayer request, you need to hit this old-fashioned altar tonight and get right with God. I said the same mind, the same mission, the same moderation. I believe we ought to have the same motivation. According to verse 5, he said, Let your moderation be made known unto all men. Then he puts in this statement, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He said, listen, the reason why you ought to have the same mind, that humble mind, that holy mind, the reason why you ought to have the same mission, that heavenly mission, that helpful mission, the reason why you ought to have that loving kindness is because the Lord is at hand. His I mean, he could come back before I finish this message tonight. He can come back before this revival's over. He can come back, hey, people all the time tell me, hey, I'll get right with God at such and such a time. He can come back before you get right with God. Here's the, the, the biggest danger I hear amongst people is I'll get saved later. Remember old, uh, was it Felix or King Agrippa? He said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And then he said these words. He said, at some convenient time, I'll call for thee. I mean, he heard the gospel straight up from the apostle Paul himself. And he said, yeah, you almost got me, Paul. You almost got me. I almost came and trusted Jesus Christ. I almost accepted the Messiah. But when it's, when it's more convenient, can I say this? I may have said it last year. I say it everywhere I go. You don't get saved when you want to. You get saved when God tugs on your heart. Because can I tell you this? You may never want to. Or you may lose your natural mind before you want to. I've met many a person that said, I'll get saved come spring. I mean, one of the greatest preachers known to mankind, he built the largest Sunday school in the world. His own daddy died a drunkard. But his daddy said to him, 
in the summer of 1958 or in the, in the winter of 1958 on New Year's Day, his daddy said to him, son, I'm going to let you, I'm going to get saved in the spring and I'm going to let you baptize me, son. And he said, I'll become one of your deacons in the spring, son. And he said, my heart began to rejoice because my daddy said, hey, I'm going to do this in the spring and boy, I'm going to get saved and I'm gonna, I'll be one of your deacons one day and I'll let you baptize me, son. And spring never came and his daddy died. And so far as he knows, his daddy went to hell. I'm talking about a preacher tonight that has had over a million people make professions of faith in his ministry. His own daddy said, when it's a more convenient time, I'll get saved. And I tell you this, the Lord is at hand. That's my motivation. I remember that night, Pastor Noonan was preaching 24 years ago. Last week, he was preaching. And I remember saying this to my head. I remember saying, man, I, I thought he was preaching. I, I don't even know if he was talking about hell in his sermon. But I remember realizing my lost condition without Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, man, I believe this church is going to split right down the middle and I'm going to fall right into the lake of fire. And I remember thinking inside of my head, if he will shut up long enough, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get saved. You know why? I felt an urgency. And the reason why some of you will not come and be saved, because you don't feel an urgency yet. Can I tell you, you may pass away before you feel an urgency to be saved. Some are cut down in the prime of life. Some may get in an accident like we were over in the other town the other day and that, that lady, 70-some years of age, retired and she walked out and was hit by several trucks and went into eternity. But you may be in the prime of your life like that young man who's in his 20s that had a heart surgery, heart replacement. 23. He never thought, I, I guarantee he never said, I'm going to face eternity. Can I tell you that? The Lord, he said, even if you don't pass away, he's coming back. And the Bible says there'll be a strong delusion in those days. No, when I see him coming back, then I'll just get saved. There'll be a strong delusion. Even the, even the elect of God, it says, will believe a lie. You don't get saved when you want to. You get saved when God, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. But he said this, he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. God's not going to keep wrestling with you. And so our motivation to be born again is the Lord is at hand. But our motivation of service ought to be the Lord is at hand. You know, Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 5 and verse number 17, he said, he said, we labor that whether absent or present, that we may be accepted of him. Because he said this, he said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And listen, when he comes back, that ought to be the motivation. His coming ought to be the reason for our going. And that's why I win souls. And that's why I preach across the world. And that's why I give my life. And that's why I spend time away from my home. And why I spend time away from my kids. I'd love to take my kids to the park this week. They're on spring vacation this week. I'd love to be at home with my kids spending spring vacation with them. 
but God's called me to do something and the Lord is at hand. Listen, we'll have fun when I get back home. Trust me, they're not gonna miss out on fun. But I'm telling you, I'd like to be like you and sit back, but the Lord called me for a specific purpose to do this here. The Lord allowed me to be here this week and I know that he's coming back and my family knows that he's coming back and that's why they don't mind me missing a week in time here or there because they understand this is about God's church and God's purpose. What are you doing though that is motivated by the return of the Lord? How is your life different because Jesus is coming back? You know why most of us live the way that we live? Because we don't really believe he's coming back. Or we don't believe he's coming back soon. We believe, man, I've got all the, that's why we don't, that's why we don't lose weight. Because we think the heart attack's 20 years away when it's really like 20 minutes away. That's why when we're, oh, I'm going to start eating right in my 70s. It's too late. And some of you, you think you're going to hear that trumpet sound and you're going to have about five minutes to witness to your lost loved ones. You don't have that time then. Our, see, if we if we're all got motivated like that preacher, what kind of soul winning program could we have? What kind of children's ministry could we have? Because we realize, you know what, man, these children are lost and they need to be saved. They need to be taught and they need to be trained. And they need to, man, before the Lord comes back, man, we need to remain faithful. We need to stay in church. It says, matter of fact, staying in church, it says so much the more as you see the day approaching. Man, Jesus is coming back. Man, I got to stay in church and I'm going to be in revival meeting. Man, I'm going to be in prayer time. Man, I'm going to do work for God and I'm going to greet people at the door because the Lord's coming back. And I want him to find me faithful when he comes back. Is that your motivation? Do you want him to find? He said, man, will I find any faithful when I come back? I want to be faithful till he comes back. Lastly here tonight, he said this. I believe it's the same methods. Verse number six, he said this, be careful for nothing. He said, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God. I believe that it ought to be done the same way. Everything we ought, to be, we ought to do around here ought to be done in a spirit of thanksgiving, in a spirit of the power of God, in thanksgiving, in prayer time, and, in, and walking with the Lord. This will produce a boldness in us. This produces a prayer-type spirit. This produces a gratitude in us. And then look at verse number, four, number 22. He says this, all the saints, all the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. You know what Paul was really good at? Paul was really good at remembering people that had served with him. He was really good at saying, man, that person was a blessing to me. He was really good. Man, he talked about Clement. He talked about Epaphrodites. He talked about Timothy. And at one point he said, man, nobody's going to care for the church like Epaphrodite. He was even sick. Because he had such a care. He was great. You know what we ought to have? We ought to have the same memorial. The same memorial. You know, someday when they roll us in here, they ought to be able to say there was a faithful man. There was a faithful lady. Man, she loved her church. Man, he loved his church. He loved the Lord. He cared about souls. He, man, he gave faithfully to missions. Has it happened? When we all get together, when we all get together, but we can have the same remembrance. And guess what? There's no jealousy in heaven. 
It's just, man, you serve God, I serve, man, I love him too. Man, you worship him, I worship him too. Man, you love his book, I love his book too. And you love salt, man, here's the people I want too, man. And it's, it's nothing to do with pride. Because here's what the Bible says we're going to do when it's all said and done and we got these crowns and everything else for serving him. We're all coming to the same place. We're all coming to that throne. And we're all going to be one in unison. And in one accord, we're going to sing, read Revelation. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lamb, to receive riches and honor and glory and power. And we'll in one accord be one body. But guess what? We don't have to wait till heaven to do that. We can fall down in one accord this week and seek revival. We can fall in one accord and have the same mind. Get rid of your agenda. Get on God's page. We can have the same mission. You're for soul. I'm for souls. We're for missions. I'm for missions. We're for being kind. I'm for being. Do we have the same moderation? Boy, let me, let me pray for that, brother. Can I pray for you? Is there anything I could pray? Have you ever said that to anybody in this church? Is there anything I could pray about for you and your family? I know you asked prayer three weeks ago, man. How'd that job interview go? And how's, how's your mom doing? We, we've been praying for her. Can I tell you what that does for a church? Man, I know you've been praying about being a soul winner. Man, is, that, is there anything I could do to help you? Man, you know what? I'm not on your bus route, but I've been praying for your bus kids. How's little Johnny doing? You know what that does? Preacher, I know you preach. It would shock you. I, I saw a survey recently about how often pastors receive letters and thank yous from people. Shocked me. Because you think they do. They don't. And they don't do it for that reason. And I know your pastor's heart. He, he, we're, we're, we're in the same boat. We're so anti-man worship. Trust me. We're anti-man worship. But the Bible says you don't, you don't muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn either. In other words, sometimes you got to throw them a few kernels, amen? What would it be like, man, Pastor, you know what? Man, thank you for having a revival. Thank you for seeing the importance. You know how often I said my pastor, his 20, he's been pastoring 25 years. As of this week, he's been pastoring for 25 years. We're going to make a video later thanking him. They're, making, they're putting together a big video. And I, I've often said, man, I'm so glad you're my pastor. Thank you for being my pastor. Not just my, my dad, because I'm like one of his kids to him, and not just for being uh, uh, the one who gives sermons, but my pastor. Thank you. You know what that does? Can you, God, a church like this is going to get a whole lot more done than a church like this. This is why the Bible says, you mark those which cause division among you. You mark them. Because all that stuff won't get done. Well, this can apply to your home. This can apply to some of your businesses. Get on the same. Can't we all just get along? Father, we love you tonight. Father, we thank you for your church. 
We thank you for the blessedness of your church. We thank you that you died for the church. You shed your blood, according to Ephesians chapter 6, that you might present us a church without spot or wrinkle. You love the church, but God, you don't love when the church is fighting itself. You don't love when the church is divided. You don't love when the church is hurting. Lord, forgive me for the times that I've not been the church member that I should be. Forgive me for not being supportive of my pastor or somebody else's ministry. Forgive me for not being supportive of uh, having aught in my heart against somebody in the church here. Lord, you know there's not a member of our church tonight that I have aught against. There's not a, there's not a person in this, on this planet that could come and sit next to me as far as I know in my heart. Unless you point them out to me, there's not a person that could sit next to me tonight in a church service and it ruffle my feathers. God, I want it to stay that way. It's not going to stay that way without me on purpose doing it. God, I want that for this church here. I want to see such a unified church going forward that, man, they say, man, look at the kindness of that church. Look at, man, they all go in the same direction. All towards the Lord Jesus Christ. May you help us, Father. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, Pastor, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll run this part. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight. You know, you cannot be in the same mind and the same spirit with us if you are not saved. Because the Bible says we are in Christ and we are new creatures. And that's what God wants for you. God wants to come into your heart and into your life. He wants to save your soul. He wants to make you a new creature. Let me tell you, if you're not saved in this room, there is a level of joy that you don't even know yet. There is a level of peace that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you don't even know that peace yet. But I can tell you, if you'll get saved tonight, you will be walking on air when you leave this building. And it's through nothing that you do, it is all what Jesus did for you already on the cross. You don't have to give a speech. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to perform some religious act. You receive Jesus Christ as a child, as your personal Savior, understanding you're a sinner. I wonder if there's anybody I can pray with tonight about receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Would you be honest in church tonight and say, Brother Allen, here's my hand. You can just simply raise it up and put it back down. I will just pray for you that God will help you make that decision. Is there anybody like that tonight? Would you just simply slip your hand up so I can pray for you in a second here? Brother Allen, I have not received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, but would you pray with me about receiving him? Nobody's looking around me and the pastor and Jesus Christ. Would you say, Brother Allen, that's me. Here's my hand right now. Remember we talked about the Lord's at hand. He could come back tonight. Well, I'll do it next week. There may be no next week. There may be no next week. Well, I'll do it when I get home. You may not make it home. Here's my hand, Brother Allen. Could you pray with me about making that decision? I've been thinking about that. Where am I going to go and spend eternity? I need to know for sure. Here's my hand. Anybody like that tonight? Anybody that I can pray? I'm going to ask one more time. Is there anybody like that tonight? Okay. By your own admission, then, I pray that you are all saved. But by your own admission, you're saved. You're making a profession of faith. But I wonder, church, how he spoke to your heart. I asked to do this part because the pastor knows things that I don't know about the church. And so I feel a little bit comfortable with anonymity and not knowing who knows what and who's fighting what and who's against what. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. I know without a shadow of a doubt God told me to preach this message. 
So I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we needed to hear it tonight. Some of you need to make some things right. And even if you cannot feel like you can talk to that person, you and your heart need to come to an old-fashioned altar and dig up that junk that's in your heart. Dig up that animosity. Dig up that root of bitterness out of your heart and begin to feel clean again. And begin to feel you can sit in church with, with freedom again. Some of you sit in church in such bondage because you got something against her and something against him and something against them and something against that group. And you sit there and you sit in bondage and the spirit of God cannot get through to you and it cannot speak to your heart because you got all this junk on you. Wouldn't it be great if you just get rid of it tonight at this altar and leave it there and don't ever pick it up again? May God help you to do that tonight. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And when I'm done praying, the invitation song will begin. The baker will begin to sing. When they do, would you find your place at this old-fashioned altar and get right with the Lord and get on the same mission, same mind, same moderation, the same methods, and have the same memorial. Father, I pray tonight that you would take this simple little message, these simple little words taken out of your word, and I pray that you do a work that only you can do. God, thank you for the attentiveness of this crowd. Thank you for their tenderness and wanting to serve you and wanting preaching. But God, it's not enough just to want preaching. It's not enough just to sit through a service. We have got to respond to the Spirit of God. May you help us to do that tonight, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Baker, you come and you mind the Lord and do what he tells you to do.